0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. We are the Three Rivers Boys. I'm Zach.
1: Hello, I'm Jake.
0: I'm Steve. <laughs> what was that voice? I don't know. It's fine. Do it the whole time. Uh, we're here. T- <laughs> we're here today to do uh, one more chapter of the Stormlight Archives, Book One, with Kings. It's going to be chapter 28, and then we're going to get into interlude, uh, the second set of interludes, which will be interlude 4, Risen, and interlude 5, Axis, the Collector. So, more fun interludes. These are really cool world-building gadgets that he employs here.
1: Yeah, Brandon Sanderson can write an interlude, huh? These are super fun.
0: And they're all relevant, too. Like, they don't... They're not just, like, random bullshit. Like, they do tie into the main story at some later points in the road. Actually, the later
2: collector, points, yes. feels
1: like was, random bullshit. I was going to say, he feels like some random shit, for sure. No, no,
0: no, no.
2: <laughs> That's... I always have this voice in the back of my head when I'm reading interludes. Zach going, no, 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 <laughs> no. Don't forget that this drunk guy in an alley is not random yeah. bullshit. I mean, he wouldn't write it <laughs> if it wasn't
1: important. I think that's safe to say. For sure, I I got to yeah. put
2: it up in my in my uh, encyclopedic brain. You know,
0: yeah. In fact, if you see a drunk eye in an alley, that guy is probably very, very important.
1: Like, I don't know <laughs> why are you joking about that right now? Yeah, no, that's pretty. That's a pretty accurate statement.
2: What are you talking about?
0: There is like a specific drunk eye in an alley that you've met already. That's like super important
2: in this book. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean a lot of Okay, time. but anyhow, uh <laughs> spoiler warning, this is uh full book spoilers for the Way of Kings. Let's get into it. Uh chapter twenty eight, decision. This is an Adolin chapter.
1: Uh everybody loves Adolin.
0: Nah, I, I don't. You don't? No, not really. Uh. Don't you think he's whiny?
1: Um, I feel like he's pretty loving. No, in the I fandom. think he's
0: concerned about his dad going crazy like he should be.
1: It's easy, I think, to hate him in the beginning. So, like, I'm not mad at you for saying that because he's like a rich, a rich boy, right? Like, and he's pretty,
0: and but sometimes it's hard for me to like disconnect. Like, I think I had that with Adolin where I was like, "Oh, he's kind of annoying. Like, he just keeps trying to like slow the plot down." But then I was like, "This is like how a person would definitely react to their dad saying that he has had
1: visions of the future." Yeah, I think later when you get to know him more, you like him more.
0: Okay, so Adolin is with Dalinar and they're watching uh, Dalinar's officer guy here, Teleb. He's doing a demonstration for that prototype Sadia-style bridge that he decided he wanted to work on. And it's not really going very
1: well. Yeah, right? He's kind of thinking, Dad looks pretty shitty right now.
2: (laughs) And he looks shitty because he's tired, right? And stressed.
1: Yeah, he thinks he's losing his mind. It's not because he's
2: old, you know what I mean? It's just like, we got a stressed out Dalinar over here.
1: Right, he's going through some shit.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Lots of factors playing into it.
2: Yeah, because it's not just his you know, dreams at this point. It's also that he went into battle and nearly like vomited from violence.
0: And he's been trying to make all these political reforms... Uh, nobody's going along with it, so he's frustrated about that. He's losing sleep because he's trying so hard to get things going. He's
1: just staying up all night reading The Way of Kings, just like we are.
0: <laughs> Tough times for Daddy Dalinar.
2: And, you know, this made a lot of sense to me whenever I when he mentions this, wondering why shard plate isn't used for, like, the common man.
0: Yeah, this is a good question that he thinks of. He's like why do we have these wonderful magical tools and we only use them to kill? Like we could be digging ditches in like 10 minutes for latrines. We could be using these gifts to help the people, but instead we just use them to murder and steal.
1: This actually like, that scene where he digs the latrine pit, man, I, I love that so much because the listeners don't know, I guess, but I'm a plumber, and I was a plumber in the military and have had to dig a latrine pit before. And <laughs> the idea of, like, that would be some bullshit. It'd be sweet if the guy with the superpowers would come and dig the pit for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like having a backhoe, right?
0: Yeah. Basically, it is like having power equipment. Yeah. So, uh, are also at this point, in this scene questions Adolin about the thrill he's like do you feel the thrill do you get excited when you are murdering people on the battlefield
2: just picturing him whispering in his ear he's like do you, do
0: you <laughs> feel it do you feel it Yeah, it, it's almost like they treat it like talking about sex kind of where they're like weirded out like I'm talking to the, about the thrill with my dad
2: <laughs> this is the Blackthorn <laughs> asking me if I get off on violence of course I do
0: doesn't everybody like we don't need to talk about
1: it it's the best
0: and this just goes to show even further in Adolin's mind that Dalinar is really starting to lose this shit and he's acting really strange for an Alethi guy so then they proceed to uh go around the war camps doing inspections of all the different aspects of the camp making sure everything's running smoothly everything's clean efficient Nobody's slacking.
2: Yeah, this is a really good world building chapter. You know, it's not like incredibly action packed or anything, but we get to find out more about how he runs a, a camp and how he's a little bit different of a ruler.
0: Yeah, he has a very strict military discipline where Sadius doesn't really seem to care. Uh, his men are always described as having like frumpy, wrinkled uniforms and. 5 o'clock shadow on their faces and Dalinar's guys are spotless, pressed and clean-shaven, you know. They got the spit polish on.
1: And you 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 respect Dalinar for this. You know that a, a general who takes the time to walk through camp like this cares about his men. They really we're really starting to like Dalinar, I think.
0: Yeah, Dalinar is an officer that I would have enjoyed serving under if I was in his military.
1: Even if he is going crazy. <laughs>
0: So we find out some more cool things that Dalinar does as a leader. Uh, he paid half the expenses even for his dark-eyed soldiers to move their families to the Shattered Plains when it started to become more apparent how permanent this was. So I think his people are the only one of the only ones that everybody has their families there and not just the officers.
1: I think they're the only ones, yeah.
0: He's definitely the only one that paid for it in any capacity. And we get this aspect that like in a couple of years, these war camps are going to evolve into becoming full on cities and like a new Alethi sub state or something like that. Like a a province, I guess you want to call it territory. Right. Eventually these are going to evolve into being metropolises.
1: Yeah. And Adolin's kind of watching some soldiers do some drills. Right. And he's, daydreaming about the fighting style of the Parshendi, their, their fighting partners, the pairs that they use. And uh, he kind of even thinks about them communicating telepathically. I think he's thinking about like the songs and stuff, and he he's wondering what underlying powers are there. It's amazing I, I how they
2: know so little about them.
1: It, it, I, is it? Or do you mean like in the story it's fun to read that. I mean, they were just hanging out with them
2: for a while. That's true, and they really didn't learn that much from them. And then uh, it, I mean,
1: it was a pretty short period of time. I thought it was like over a year. I didn't think it was that. Well, that might be that might be close
2: because I thought they left and returned. But Rayfo, for me, you guys know a little bit more about uh, that.
0: So Adolin kind of gets this feeling that Dalinar is preparing him to take over. Like either expects to be called too crazy to go on with command, or and he'll have to step aside, or he'll be killed in battle, or betrayed by somebody. Like this definitely makes Ailin even more worried. <laughs> I feel like I've said that so many times. I'm just like Ailin is getting more concerned, and more concerned, and more concerned.
1: That's how you would be though. Your dad is going crazy. What other choices he have but to be concerned? He could trust. But you wouldn't.
2: You could have faith.
1: But you wouldn't.
2: He's like, I have a magic power armor and sword, but there couldn't possibly be other things going on.
1: They don't even think it's magic. I mean, it's it's just like a um, fabrio are, to them.
0: What do they think spren are? Just like a natural scientific occurrence. I mean, they, they act like it's science and not magic. It's, it's really. an animal. You know, they're, it's like seeing mm. a bug or something. Mm. Like lightning. You know, it's a, you write an explanation for it, and all of a sudden, it's not magic anymore. That's fair. They've they get to this tent where they've gathered up all the soldiers that Sadius spoke to, and they're going to try to figure out like what his strategy was in these interviews. And right away, they notice like all these guys are like way too aggressive in their defense of Dalinar They probably like made him look guilty because of that. They're like, we didn't tell him nothing. Don't worry.
2: We told him to fuck off. It's secret. It's a secret what he did to that belt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would never tell you that Dalinar murdered him. (laughs) Or tried to murder him.
2: (laughs) Again, this just makes the king look so fucking dumb because any of this is happening, you know, or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think I caught how suspicious that would be (laughs) when I read it, to be honest with you. <laughs> and we work.
0: also learned that another high prince has refused Alanar's offer, uh, all this time. That makes everyone but Sadius that has turned him down on this. Womp, womp.
2: See, that that's a pretty good writing technique, right? Like, he just basically fed us the information that all of that work we didn't have to read through that, but it happened. Yeah, so now Sadius is the only one left, the most trustworthy of all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So Dalinar tells Adolin to finish the inspections without him. He's got to take care of something.
1: Yeah, so then we kind of get a Dalinar POV here. And Dalinar, he needs to go clear his head, right? So he he sees some soldiers, some labor, other soldiers, uh, digging a, a latrine trench like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, this is basically you, like engineering corps, guys. Yeah, and he jumps in the hole and... Starts smashing up. Does he have a sledgehammer? He's got well, when shard bearers
0: don't have their shard blade, they use like a big war hammer, and that's what he has here. I think. I thought he
1: has his sword as well. He does have the sword. That's true. As well, he does yeah. sometimes use the sword. Because he's cutting like a smooth line into it. it works really well. And that's why he's thinking, like, why why don't we use these? for the betterment of man instead of just for destruction, because it's really efficient at doing this. He can cut these smooth sides in, in solid rock and then knock the chunks out with his big shard hammer. And he even, he's so effective at it that he actually beats this hammer flat. Basically like he needs a new hammer, right? Yeah.
2: Navani comes up and is like, excuse me, you're way too rich to be doing that. (laughs) <laughs> and he because ex- he
1: looks crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, he he's like the first one to have done it, right? And this yeah. is straight out of the Way of Kings, right?
0: It, Basically, it I don't know if like this exact like thing do. happened in Way of Kings, but this is you get a lot of stories similar to this, like Noah Dawn walking barefoot to get to Uthuru and making himself a common man. You know,
2: I thought at one point uh, the king or something in Way of Kings like picks up a a merchant's load and carries it for him or something like that. Kind of like the Jesus on the beach thing. but
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, I guess you would call those parables. Huh? Yeah.
2: But Navani's Tropes. like, why don't you just use that sword and cut the shit out of it? And he, he has to explain to her that even if he cuts this sm- smooth rock, it's going to be heavy as fuck. So he can't just yeah. cut it into big cubes.
1: Yeah, he'd have no way of getting purchase on it because the, the cut that the shard blade makes is so thin.
2: Sounds like we got a real
1: smarty here. Dalinar.
0: Uh, she's an engineer. I bet she would have figured that out eventually if she would have thought about it.
1: Yeah, She just doesn't have like experience wearing shard blades.
0: Sometimes it's easier just to ask the guy who's doing it. Yeah. Though.
1: So then we get some of this uh, Navani conversation, right? She's talking about her daughter. They're talking about their relationship too. I
0: guess like there's this kind of almost romantic history between Navani and Dalinar where, when they were kids or like in their twenties, I guess it was down to Navani marrying either Gavilar or Dalinar. And she ended up. Oh yeah. With Gavilar.
1: Which she was like, I don't know. Do you feel like this makes me like, kind of not like Navani in this moment. I do like her overall, but of course she was going to pick the King is how it seems like it played out. She was just, like, leading Dalinar along.
2: Doesn't she explain that she was scared of Dalinar?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Dalinar was kind of freaky back then. <laughs>
2: it's like an alcoholic rage machine.
1: Oh, yeah. For sure. It's hard to remember that, I guess. They do talk about it every five seconds, but...
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, Blackthorn, I remember when you would black out and just kill men. Yeah. So cool. <laughs>
0: So I guess he kind of doesn't realize How long he's been doing this It's been like hours since Adolin finished the inspection And he shows up again And introduces Dalinar to the girl that he's courting Danlin so they talk to Jasnah via Span Reed. That's what Danlin's doing there also. She is operating the Span Reed. Well,
2: before they leave for the Span Reed, doesn't after he finishes his work, or like, I don't know if he completely finishes, but I think he decides right then that he's going to step down. Yeah. Which is huge because Adolin is going to be pissed about that.
0: Faux show. Sure. So he's trying to figure out, uh,. If Yasna still has her notes from when they first met the Parshendi on that hunting expedition, way back when. Specifically, if they had any shard blades or if they mentioned Voidbringers. And Yasna kind of seems like she knows more than she's letting on, but Dalmar lets her get away with that. She does, however, let slip that the ancients knew about chasm fiends before. And they talk about some other kinds of great shells, I think, also.
1: This is such a great conversation because you can feel the weight of the entire book series teetering on every word that they're saying here. That's how it felt when I read it. I was like, this is super important shit. Like, this is definitely like the
0: central mystery of the story at this point. Like, what are the Voidbringers? How do they relate to the shard blades and the magic system? Where did it all come from? Because I think this is like nobody's, not too many people start off in the Cosmere with Stormlight. So we all know a little bit of the way magic works in these worlds. So you're trying to figure out like, all right, who's the god here and how does their magic get fueled? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is what the whole shebang hinges around. But we're not going to get the answer here.
1: Is it spoilery to say? Somebody better write a timestamp down. I'm about to do it. Is it spoilery to say that? I think we get hints that Yasna doesn't think that the Chasm Fiends are, or the Voidbringers are, the Voidbringers are the Pershendi, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's what she believes at this point. I don't don't think she tells Dalinar that in this scene. I think her and Shalon had talked about that before this, though. And it's definitely not a spoiler. Like, it's a thing that's brought up in this book, so we don't have to cut it out.
1: But that—that's what she's being. That's what she's episode. being cagey about, right?
0: Yeah,
2: I can't remember what it was. I'm looking at the book right now, but I believe that Yasna has a code word that gets to Dalinar to let let him know that somebody else was reading her span read on her end. Huh. Uh, but we also have Dalinar realize that somebody is with Yasna um, because there's a drawing, and it's too good to be.
0: Yeah, so we know who that is. Who is it, Zach? Zach?
2: Our best girl, (laughs) Shalon. Shalon is best girl.
0: I don't know. Yasna's pretty dope too.
2: Um, I do have a, uh, a reading here about his decision, if you'd like. Sure. And in a moment of shock, Dalinar realized that he had made his decision. Sometime between leaving the trench and now, he'd stopped treating his abdication as an if and started thinking of it as a when. It was the right decision. He felt sick about it, but certain. A man sometimes needed to do things that were unpleasant. It was, yeah. it was talking about her father, Gavilar. Talking about Yasna's father. That helped him make the decision.
0: Big moment for Dalinar. This will have a lot of implications as we go on. Or repercussions, I should say.
2: Yeah. And then he tells Navani. And she's like, oh, dang. What? <laughs> no, don't. God, that's stupid.
0: All right, uh... Should we get into the interludes here? Certainly. Okay, so uh, interlude four, Risen. I like Risen. She's a pretty cool character. Uh, This is the first time we meet her in this interlude here. I think it's not too much of a spoiler to say that she is definitely going to be more important as we go along, but probably don't want to say much more than that. You can assume that for most of these interludes that... Either a character is going to become very important from this or it's going to demonstrate some important concept in the magic system or the mythology of the world here.
2: Yeah, and I think when I was reading this, I got excited about this character because it was so odd and different. We got to see a completely different side of the world, almost like whenever we were in the lake.
0: Yeah, so Risen is a traveling merchant. She's in kind of a caravan convoy, but she's an apprentice and she serves her master or Babsk
1: and his name is Wishtim. Hey, Wishtim. I love love the way they say Babsk.
0: Me too. Yeah, it's a fun word to say. It feels like Polish or something. Yeah. And
2: I these chapters are narrated by Kate Redding. Yes. And she says Babsk really well too because when she (laughs) says it in Risen's voice, He's my bapsk. It's I don't know. It just sounds. I can't
1: do it, but it's like very pleasing to the ears. It sounds great.
0: What do they call that frisson? I don't know. When you get that like tingling or whatever. That's how
1: I feel about (laughs) moi Yeah,
0: sometimes you just get a fantasy word that's like really fun to say. Yeah. So uh, this is a good point where we learn a lot about the region of Roshar called Shinovar. These traders have just been there as part of their convoy. And we know one guy from Shinovar already. That's our boy Zeth Sonson Velano, the assassin in white.
1: He's truthless of Shinovar.
0: So, Shinovar is pretty weird for Rashar. One, there's grass everywhere. Most of Rashar is like barren rock and small amounts of plants. But here we got normal earth-like grass, kind of. There's not very many spren around. They're a lot rarer than they are in the rest of Roshar. And she's used to, you know, rocky, shitty, lots of spren Roshar. And this is more like a regular earth ecosystem.
1: Yeah, if if you're not doing anything right now, like driving a car, you should Google Maps of Roshar and look at how weird Shinovar is. It's a weird little place. You could, this is
0: the only place they have more earth like animals, too. Like we learned or we talked about in the feast chapter, uh, about the weird Shinovar chickens. This is the only place they have birds because everything is a crab or some kind of
1: crustacean. I love a good running (laughs) joke, and everybody. On Roshar, calling every bird they see a chicken is is one of the better ones. Huh? We hear about later
0: on how weird it is that they drink wine made from grapes. They're like they're made from this weird fruit called a grape. Yeah, Shinovar. It's crazy.
1: Just Everything's c- crazy in Shinovar, but it's just like us basically. And then they look like <laughs> they look like uh, white, white people, people like Western European. This gives it's me Caucasians.
2: an idea. About Spren, because the reason there's dirt here is because there's so little high storms, right? Or if if none,
1: yeah, they're like basically completely unaffected by the high storms. And then there's no some mountain ranges.
2: There's barely any Spren here as well. So there's a connection between high storms and Spren.
1: That's a good pick, Steve. Definitely important detail to notice. Wow, proud of you.
2: Wow, my brain's filling up. (laughs) Oh, so <laughs> smart so we we do learn a lot in this in these conversations and and what the bapsk is teaching risen about trading with these people uh, and one of them is that they talk shit about their own stuff and that's that's how they like to trade she's like why don't you tell them how good it is he's like no 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 i'm gonna
1: not how they do it here yeah i love this cultural explanation that he gives he's it's like basically you have to talk more shit about y- your stuff than they will about their stuff, and, th- and then they're sold. <laughs>
2: well, I have it here. It says the two both took pains to explain how worthless their goods were. Eventually, they came to an agreement. The risen wouldn't grasp how, and shook hands on the deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it! <laughs> Amazing. And uh, is this is this this is probably based off some real culture. I don't know what it is, but I'm curious.
0: Modesty. Yeah, I wonder where he got this idea. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, because I it just why would you be so modest or or
1: I I know in some Arab cultures you have to like keep refusing to let somebody pay the check like at a restaurant like you're supposed to like argue for like 20 minutes about it.
2: That sounds fun. More time to drink, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a, a little tease of Zeth in this chapter. Yeah, I could. Uh, I'll do this reading unless one of you want to do it.
0: "'You couldn't trade me a soldier, could you?' Vishtim asked as they waited. "'They cannot be sold to an outsider, I'm afraid. "'But there was that one you traded me.' "'It's been nearly seven years,' Thresh said with a laugh. "'And still you ask. "'You don't know what I got for him,' Vishdim said. "'And you gave him to me for practically nothing.' "'He was truthless,' Thresh said, shrugging. "'He wasn't worth anything at all. "'You forced me to take something and trade.' though to confess, I had to throw your payment into a river. I could not take money for a truthless. Well, I suppose I can't take offense at that, Vashtim said, rubbing his chin. But if you ever have another, let me know. Best servant I ever had, I still regret that I traded him. I'll remember that, friend, Thresh said, but I do not think it likely we will have another one like him. He seemed to grow distracted. Indeed, I should hope that we never do.
1: What did Zeth do, man? <laughs>
2: My guess would be that he didn't like their food. I, right? You know?
0: That's, he doesn't like chicken. Yeah. Pretty
2: likely. They were like, only chickens fly, Zeth. Stop
0: flying. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's the end of that one, huh? Oh, the the grass. Yep. yep. Yes. So Wishtim uh, basically says that... Our girl Risen here is kind of immature still, and she has the trouble like not judging other cultures for how different she thinks they are. She's like, these people are crazy. He's like, that's just the way they are, man. You got to get used to that. Not everybody is like you.
2: She's really pissed that she has to do this, too.
0: (laughs) So he gives her kind of like a pot of grass basically and he's like take care of this grass until it's not weird to you anymore.
2: Well, he actually gives her the pot and says you go get the grass and that's why she gets so upset because she has to get dirt on her.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. She like
2: grabs a pair of gloves, rolls up her sleeves.
1: Stupid dirt.
2: She was not <laughs> going to ruin a good dress for a pot of drooling wall staring imbecile grass and that was that.
0: <laughs> Love it.
2: I Yeah, I really liked Risen, even though this didn't make any sense to me. There was just a lot that went on in this chapter that was interesting and a couple of characters that were introduced. And I was like, when are they going to come back? Who knows? Turns out it's not in this book.
0: Yeah, uh, it will all make sense later. Just try not to forget about these smaller characters. <laughs> That's what we're here with for. Just uh, read these or listen to these podcasts before you go to the next book. So next interlude is Axies the Collector and this is kind of a unique guy
1: this is a guy who on my first read I think I felt a lot like Steve did I was kind of like what is this what does it have to do with the story on my reread I had a lot of fun with this chapter and I I feel like I always feel like that Uh, on rereads you enjoy this like kind of side quest stuff a lot more yeah so I think It's
0: not ridiculous to say that Axis the collector, is a researcher, and he's part of the same mysterious group that we saw a couple of guys working for in the last batch of interludes.
2: Oh, they were blue? No. I see.
0: But they work for the same guy, or the same group, I guess. So he's here, and he's researching Spren. Specifically, he's looking for intoxication Spren in pubs. And his research involves him just getting
1: schmammered and obliterated.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this isn't the first time.
1: You got to get drunk to find the drunk Spren, man. Yeah, you need
0: flame for flame Spren. You need glory for glory Spren fear for fear spread you gotta be shit-faced to have intoxication spread yeah you want to catch a
1: fish you gotta go down to the river
2: (laughs) maybe that was my issue with this chapter was that he sounded like somebody not suicidal but so reckless that he should be dead by now
0: yeah he definitely cares more for his research than he does for his personal health like he wakes up In this alley, like, he's been beaten up and robbed and he's naked because all of his clothes got either ruined or stolen.
1: (laughs) So this made me... he was so
0: shit-faced he couldn't defend himself.
1: This made me kind of feel like he has to have some kind of powers or, like, he's just, like, has healing or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he has his notes written on his body
0: so he doesn't get them stolen in his clothes if he writes it on paper
1: yeah but he's just so unworried about this that i'm like i don't even know if this guy can die or something like it feels yeah
0: it wouldn't be the first uh person that can use magic that's kind of just
1: in the background challenge yeah why is he blue
0: well that has to do with being an Amian. that's his ethnicity he's from Rashar, you know some of them like the Thalens have the weird eyebrows I guess Amiens are blue.
1: Oh, really? I think I missed that. Where's Amien on the map? I'll have to look at that. It's far
2: to the west. It's an island.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, it says, uh, according to the Wikipedia, Amiens are not human. There are two races, uh, races of Amiens, Sia and Dysian. Both
1: have deep blue crystalline eyes and blue fingernails. Oh, that's pretty cool. So these are non-humans.
2: This isn't the island that Hoyd talks about later in the book, is it?
0: Could be. There is another island, I believe.
2: I mean, it's fair if you don't want to talk no, about this,
0: it. You're right. I think this is the same one. You're probably right. Yes. I would hazard that to be yes. I don't remember the Hoyd quote that you're talking about, but I would- His story would
2: on it. that he tells to Caladan while he plays a flute- right. Uh, he, here's the quote about him being blue. Perhaps he drew stairs because of his blue nails and crystalline deep blue eyes. Amiens, even Sia Amiens, were rare. So, yeah, I mean, like, he is an odd person to be walking around.
0: And I
1: At think that's
2: that's why zone. he gets beat
1: up a lot, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that, and he's just, like, so drunk that he is an easy target. He can't defend himself.
1: Well, he's not drunk all the time, though. <clears throat>
0: He does here while he's doing this research on intoxication spread.
1: But he goes and checks out some other spread when he's hung over the next day. Like, he doesn't start immediately drinking, does he? Yeah,
0: nobody beats him up while he's doing that.
1: Yeah.
2: What is the curse of kind? Or do we not find out right now? Because he mentions when the curse of kind follows you, you learn what, you, what happens to you happens. Like, he doesn't give a shit that he gets beat up. He doesn't give shit that he gets thrown in jail or that he gets too drunk because the curse of kind follows him.
0: Oh, that may be a reference to the uh, Night Caller. I see. Is that what it's called?
2: I'm gonna have to reread this chapter because there's a lot of Night Watchers. There's a lot of sneaky stuff Night in Night here.
0: Watcher. You hear them talking about that in another one of these interludes with like the boon and the curse.
1: And then we get this great spread too. This is weird. Uh, I think earlier in the book it's mentioned that when they're talking about chasm fiends, that there's some great quote unquote great brand that have these gem hearts. And, but this is the first one we see.
0: Yeah. There's definitely a, like a spectrum of spread sentience or power from a flame spread on up to sill. you know?
1: Well, this is a size thing too. This thing's gigantic, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Speaking about weird people, he takes a walk around town and he sees, uh, I don't know if I'm butchering this, I- Iriali people. Iri-ally. uh They have extremely golden blonde hair, which is a very big contrast to our Alethi.
1: Targaryens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably the end of the road here for today's episode, huh?
1: Well, does he
2: mention something about a tornado vortex spren in the water?
0: Yeah, that's that big one that Jake was just
1: talking about. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's like a a daily thing, right? Every every morning, it's kind of like the tide or something. This big great spren comes out and does this crazy shit. I
0: think this chapter kind of reinforces the idea that spren are kind of manifestations of different feelings or ideas that people have.
1: They that, have a physical connection to the real world.
2: Yes, and I think that we need to remember the world is bigger than the Alethi.
1: Yes. Right. That's a good point, Steve. This is a whole planet. It's not just Roshar.
2: Though the Alethi sure do seem to think that they're the only ones on it sometimes.
1: I think there only is the one continent, Roshar,
0: but there are some like islands off of it.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I, I should have said it's not just Aleth car.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. That's a couple good chapters we got in there. We're going to start next week with uh, the next Zeth interlude and probably get another chapter or two in after that. So thanks for listening. We're the Three Rivers Boys once again. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Three Rivers Boys 3
1: Spelled Out. I'm Zach. I'm Jake.
2: And I'm Steve.
1: Read more books. Yeah, man.
2: You can listen to them, too, if you want.
1: Um, speaking of listening to books, I just finished Pyramids by Terry Pratchett. That was rad. Nice. Uh, it, that's right up there with Small Gods. That one's a banger. You guys should check that out. Cool, cool. Oh, and I listened to... What was the Philip K. Dick thing I did? Uh... Total Recall. Total Recall. Oh, nice. That was pretty rad. I need to watch that Schwarzenegger movie again now.
0: (laughs) Which... (laughs)